Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFISFM. Hi, everybody. I'm Dawn Hemingway, your host on Senior Moments. Uh, welcome. We have a, a very interesting program today. We're having guests from the NIDAS Personal Planning Resource Center and Registry. Um, some of you may know them as uh, the Representation Agreement uh, Resource Center from many years ago, but the main thing is that they work and are experts in the area of personal planning. So we have two guests. Uh, first, we have Audrey Jeanne, who is the new uh, executive director of NIDAS, and welcome, Audrey. Thank you, Don. And also, we have Gord Robertson, who is uh, someone who's worked with, um, with NIDAS in northern BC, I think technically maybe called a, a contractor? Yes. Okay, we got that right. So maybe um, I'm thinking to get started, um, Audrey, if you and Gord could just give a little brief introduction and then we can start talking about more about what NIDAS is. So maybe we'll start with you, Audrey. Absolutely. Um, so I, as Don said, I recently have stepped into the role of Executive Director at NIDAS. Um, we're a nonprofit uh, BC-based charity that provides education support and assistance to British Columbians with personal planning, and I'll get more into that later. Um, and before my time at NIDIS, I worked in private practice as a lawyer, helping seniors and families with uh, persons with disabilities plan for their future, uh, estate planning, as well as some personal planning. Um, and I'll pass it off to Gordon. Uh, so I've, I live in Prince George, um, been here since 1959, so a little while. Uh, I have uh, my main connection to representation agreements is I have a daughter who has a disability, so we have a representation agreement for her. Uh, my work experience, I worked for 36 years for the Forest Service, mostly here in Prince George, and uh, I'm sort of retired. <laughs> I know about that. I'm sort of retired, too. <laughs> um, let me just say before we get a little bit more into uh, learning about what NIDAS is, and uh, we'll have Audrey talk about a bit about that first, but I just wanted to say that uh, the whole idea of rep agreements um, has really been around our community for many years, and um, Gordon and I were talking. Actually, his wife, Terry, used to come and talk to uh, my uh, disability issues and or aging class when I was teaching at the university and I think I remember coming into some other things as well when we had some events in the community so there's a long history here of people um, wanting to get this kind of information and, and having someone like Gordon on, or Gord on site is really helpful um, in addition to having the provincial organization so we really really appreciate it. So, Audrey, do you want to say a little bit more, share about, you know, what is NIDAS, what's personal planning, just kind of get us into the topic a bit? Absolutely. Um, so, we provide a lot of free information online. We have a website called NIDAS.ca, that's spelled N-I-D-U-S dot C-A. And um, what that information is about primarily is personal planning. And what personal planning is all about is about making arrangements for all your life, but you might need help because you've um, been injured, you've developed a disability, or um, you're just temporarily or permanently um, facing an illness. And the reason that um, you want to plan ahead is, you know, people are living really long lives and, um, you know, disability, injury, illness, that's becoming more and more common. Um, it's going to be a reality for most of us. 
And so it's really important to plan for those circumstances in the same way that, you know, many financial advisors will encourage you to explore disability insurance, not just life insurance, um, because people are sometimes more likely to need that option. And so in addition to information, we also provide free forms for representation agreements, not just the form, but also, you know, the education piece as well. So we have these kits where you've got lots of explanations for, you know, what these roles mean, um, tips for making the document, and it's just everything related to that. So representation agreements, but we also talk about enduring powers of attorney, um, some information on adult guardianship and commutation, and we'll, and I know I'm using a lot of technical terms, but we'll explain that a little bit more later. And from my understanding, NIDIS is the only community-based resource in Canada devoted to this topic. Um, BC is really a leader in this area. Um, you know, this is very important for our population as we all age together. And um, finally, one other thing that I did want to mention is the NIDIS registry. So we also operate a centralized registry for registering personal planning documents, other legal documents, and important information to facilitate communication in case of a health crisis or other emergency. Absolutely. I think the, um, I guess a couple of things come to mind for me. Uh, first of all, the fact that there are forms that people can use. Um, my first rep agreement was written on a piece of three ring binder lined paper you know I mean we were writing them ourselves and so to have that a bit of guidance in that process is helpful Um, and I think uh, the other thing is knowing that NIDIS is available across the province either through um, folks like Gord or um, having that website that is really um, accessible to everybody and with such good information the other thing I think um, when I think about it is just the fact that um, we're able to um, learn not only about what a rep agreement is, but to have a place to keep important documents. I know we've had lots of discussion about that up here when the forest fires and other things are happening. So regardless of what the emergency is or what the issue is, to have a place like that uh, registry where you can keep documents that are important to you, copies of them where it's password protected and all those things. Anyway, all those things seem very, very helpful. One of the things, though, that can be confusing, and maybe you could go a bit into this, is the difference between uh, estate planning and personal planning. Um, and Or is there a difference? Yeah, well, I, I will say, you know, some legal professionals kind of use estate planning as a blanket term. Um, the reason why we <clears throat> like to differentiate it is because estate that term in general means your assets and your financial affairs. And in, if you look at BC's uh, statute, the Wills, Estates, and Succession Act, that governs wills in BC, it actually defines a state as meaning the property of a deceased person. But, you know, our lives are more than just our property. Um, so to differentiate estate planning, you know, making arrangements for after death, we like to call it personal planning because it's all about you know, while we're alive. So personal planning is about making those arrangements for while you're alive, but you might need assistance. And it doesn't always have to be end-of-life related. For example, you know, if you have 
let's say, just a surgery that you're going into and, and it's going to be totally fine, you have that person as your representative to, you know, speak on your behalf when you might be temporarily incapacitated. Or if you have an enduring power of attorney for finances and you're off traveling or something like that, and then you can have your attorney manage your taxes for you if those need to be filed or you So it's really about, you know, making those arrangements, uh, making those plans for while you're living. And that's really the difference. One's for life and one's for after death. Well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. The one thing that I think many of us hear, um, especially in the healthcare realm, is the term advanced care planning. And I'm wondering if, if, if you wanted to explain a little bit about that. Absolutely. So, yeah, you'll hear that term quite a bit, uh, as you said, especially in the healthcare context. So, <clears throat> you know, it makes sense. You know, if they're focused on healthcare. Um, but I just wanted to make one thing really clear is that personal planning is more of an umbrella term. So personal planning includes health care, but also personal care, legal affairs, and financial affairs. And sometimes you'll hear people talking about something called an advanced care plan. Um, and I just want to make that clear. There's no legal document in BC called an advanced care plan. Um, what that's usually used to refer to is, you know, writing down some of these wishes or instructions. That can be helpful. For example, if you want your representative um, to be reminded of what your wishes or instructions might be, that could be an exercise that you do t- together. But again, that's not a term that's defined in the law. That's and, um, helpful. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Don't. No, no, I'm just saying that's very helpful because I think there is there is some confusion on that question. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes because people will actually call a representation agreement enduring attorney as being part of an advanced care plan. Um, but I, I, one thing that I do want to make clear today is that those things are standalone legal documents. Yes. And I also want to make clear that the power of attorney does not authorize anyone to make health care decisions. Right. Very important point. Very important point. One of the uh, things that I'm really interested in hearing from Gord about, because I know that you're doing a lot of work on the ground, <laughs> and uh, sort of who should be thinking about the whole question of personal planning? Everybody. <laughs> you never know when your life could change. You may be perfectly you know, able to do everything for yourself now, and as my wife likes to say, you know, you could be hit by a bus. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You could slip on the ice. You could uh, uh, have a heart attack. You know, any number of things could happen. So you, you should. Um, the best time to think about personal planning is when you don't need it. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Then, because then, then people aren't going to question whether or not you really knew what you were doing when you designated somebody. Yes, they were obviously of sound mind mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, they're not going to question it. You've, you've communicated to people while you're healthy and not in need of help. This is who I want to help me when I need help. Absolutely. It's interesting because um, one of the discussions I've had um, at, uh, at the university was that, you know, you should have you should have a rep agreement. You should think about these things. I know you're fine, and you're at the beginning of what you think you know it's going to be a long, uneventful life in terms of injury or not being able to speak for yourself. But why not be sure that you have someone that you've selected that you know would speak 
um, in your name in a way that reflects what you're interested in and what you think should would be the best for you. So, you don't want to just assume that it's all going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, no. Anyway, very, very good. I think that's so important that people know that it's really, it's not waiting until you're close to retirement or thinking maybe there might be some medical issues or it's all of us to have that right. Because people, people, uh, how many years ago is it now, fought so many organizations in BC to update that, that legislation. So we did have that right. That's one of the things I find most exciting about the work that NIDAS does because it's grown from a, really a, a groundswell from community. So, yeah. Most of the best things come from there. You're right, and I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, one other thing that I, where I think um, there may be still um, some potential confusion, Audrey, is the question of rep agreements or representation agreements, my short form, um, uh, in, ter- in relation to enduring powers of attorney. Yes, absolutely, and I've been throwing those words around, and so it's definitely a good idea to get those clear. So, again, both are legal documents. They are, um, you know, creatures of BC legislation. For health and personal care, the representation agreement is the only document. Um, so maybe I'll break it down a little bit further because there are two types of representation agreements, and I don't want to confuse anyone. Okay. I know I was confused the first time that I learned about it. Um, but for, you know, folks, probably for most of the folks who are listening in today and, and for um, myself, Don, and Gordon, we would be considered what is, quote-unquote, traditionally cognitively capable. So what we would do is we would likely make a Section 9 representation agreement and an enduring attorney to cover all our bases. And what those two documents would cover is the Section 9 representation agreement would cover the most comprehensive authority for health and personal care. And what you do in the document is you appoint one or more people to help you with those types of decisions if you need help. And similarly, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you've got the enduring power of attorney where you appoint people, called your attorney, to help you manage your financial affairs and legal matters if you need help. And the reason why it's called an enduring power of attorney is because it's intended to endure past your mental incapability so that if something happens to you, you become incapable, people you appoint can continue to act on your behalf for financial and legal affairs. Okay. Well, that's very helpful for sure. One of the things um, that I guess I get asked sometimes, um, especially um, in the time frame when I was doing teaching, was what is exactly, what does it mean when you talk about sort of personal care? And I mean, I often use the example of, uh, at the time, I think I was teaching the aging class, and I would say, well, um, if you're not able to speak for yourself and, and you are find yourself in a, in a hospital or even in long-term care, and you know, and this person who's your representative knows that um, um, that you want uh, to definitely um, be able to have, you know, your your bath, your hair combed. That those things were important to you. That you would then 
know that um, the person who was representing you would know that those things were important to you, where they may not be as important to someone else. Other things may be important to someone else, what food they're given, for example. So anyway, understanding what the sort of personal care meant beyond just people thinking about health care, I found quite helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, like as you said, you know, those can include where you live, you know, making sure that you have a great home support and, um, you know, what you're eating. And yeah. even, even, and one important one is even sometimes, you know, you have contact with because yes. maybe you've told your representative, look, I, I have this friend, <laughs> or they think that they're my friend yes. and they're always trying to get in touch, but I really don't want to talk to them. You know, your representative will know what your wishes from personal care are. No, that's that's very helpful. Is there um, anything in terms of uh, the other uh, type of rep agreement um, that you'd like to share with um, with the listeners around uh, the the uh, rep agreement seven? I think we definitely like to get into that. We'll probably uh, take a quick break before we do that. But I think understanding the difference between the two types that you mentioned one the the section nine and the other the section seven so maybe we can talk about section seven after we take a quick break you like a good bluegrass song enjoying hearing music from the likes of bill monroe ronda vincent and the lakeside ramblers then tune in to back porch pickens sunday evenings at five on 93.1 cfis fm for an hour of great bluegrass old and new i'm cory walker and i'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of north american bluegrass Catch Backboard Pickens on the nights of five, only here on 93.1 CFISFM. Lunch is served Monday through Friday at the Brunswick Senior Center. Nutritious and affordable. Pick up the monthly menu from the center so you don't miss your favorite, as there's a different main dish each day. Lasagna, chicken, burgers, chili, ham, spaghetti, pizza, a great variety scheduled throughout the month. Stop by the center to pick up this month's menu schedule. The Brunswick Street Center, open for lunch Monday through Friday at 4th and Brunswick downtown. The Brunswick Senior Center is closed on statutory holidays. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, cloudy. Wind from the south of 20K gusting to 40, a high of zero. Tonight, cloudy, a 40% chance of flurries overnight with a risk of freezing rain. Gusting south winds continuing, the temperature rising to 2. On Wednesday, cloudy, a 40% chance of flurries or showers in the afternoon. More gusting south winds with a high of 3. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS FM. Well, we're here spending some time today with um, Audrey and Gore from uh, NIDA's Personal Planning Resource Centre and Registry, and we're just talking about the uh, two types of representation agreements. Um, one, a Section 9, which we've talked a bit about, and now I think Audrey's going to get into the Section 7. Thank you, Dawn. Um, so, yes, in BC, we are so lucky to have something special called the Section 7 Representation Agreement. So this is another legal document. Um, but it's designed for adults whose mental capability to understand might be in question. So many of the documents that I've talked about, the Section 9 representation agreements, the enduring prior of attorney wills, they are focused on this traditional definition of capability based on cognitive understanding of you know, the nature and consequences of the, what you're making. But the RE7, which is the shorthand that I'll use for the Section 7 has a different definition of capability, and it's unique to that document. 
And really, I, I don't think there is anything um, quite like this in the world yet, other than in D.C. So it, it's focused on, you know, making, like, looking at the person, looking at who they are as a person, understanding that not everybody communicates in the same way, but that people without traditionally communicating can still express wishes and desires, preferences, that they might have a relationship with certain people that's characterized by trust. And not all of that can be encapsulated in this traditional cognitive test. Um, some of the things that you should know about the RE7 is that due to that different definition, it doesn't necessarily include all the authorities that could be covered in an enduring power of attorney in a Section 9 representation agreement. Um, so, for example, an RE7 does include authority, or it can include authority, for routine finances, like, um, you know, dealing with bills and things like that, but it does not cover dealing with real estate. Um, the enduring power of attorney can cover real estate if the adult meets the capability requirements when they make it. Sorry, 7 also does include authority for uh, minor and major health care. I won't go into that, but you can definitely find out more information about that on our site. Um, but it doesn't authorize the rep to have a final say to refuse life-supporting health care, which is something that can be covered in a Section 9 representation agreement. So even if there are some limitations, you know, it is a really incredible document that has helped lots of folks. And I think maybe the easiest way to illustrate that is by sharing a story of, um, of one of the folks that were helped by medics. So I'm going to share a story of someone called Mary and, um, and her daughter, Gina. So Gina and her mom, Mary, uh, came to Nidus when Mary had begun to show some signs of dementia. Um, she had actually made an enduring power of attorney a few years back before she approached Nidus, uh, naming one of her daughters as her attorney. Um, the problem was that the daughter that she appointed wasn't able to act any longer. And so she was kind of back at square one. So even though she has done some planning, um, there was no succession planning. And so she kind of didn't have anyone who could help her. And unfortunately, because of her dementia, um, even though she had expressed her desire to appoint another daughter um, as her attorney, the notary public she went to was just not satisfied that she was sufficiently demonstrating, you know, an adequate understanding of her finances. And the notary public just couldn't help her make that in the document. And so at this point, she was kind of at a crossroads. Um, one option that her family could have gone for was to go through comitatia, which is um, the term in BC for adult guardianship. So that's when you go to court, you um, essentially have the court declare somebody incapable or mentally incompetent. Um, and it's really seen as a last resort, not just because of how time-consuming and, and, and expensive it can be, but also because you're kind of losing your rights. You, you essentially become a non-person who's just not really able to speak for themselves. And the issue that Mary and her uh, family had was that, you know, they wanted to make sure she'd be able to continue to make her own decisions, even if sometimes she might need assistance to do that. And so when they heard about NIDAS <clears throat> through their local senior center, 
um, her daughter Gina reached out. They learned about the Section 7 representation agreement, which was designed as a legal alternative to commentation who are in need of help at the current moment with decision-making. And they found that this was, you know, something else available to them. So they were able to avoid commentation. They were able to avoid going to court. And Mary was able to make a Section 7 representation agreement where she was able to appoint people that she trusted who were available to help her at that time with her finances, with health care, with um, personal care matters. So they were able just to use Midas' self-help package. They were able to make that representation agreement and those met all the legal requirements of the Representation Agreement Act. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot more about <laughs> story, but I think that kind of gives the general gist of something that might apply to the folks that um, listeners listening in might know who kind of need that help immediately. And, you know, even if they might have planned in advance, maybe their plans didn't work out for whatever reason, and they need to make a new plan now. And that's the section seven point. Okay. No, that's very helpful. And and also just to remind um, everyone that's listening that they can of course go to the NIDUS website at NIDUS dot C A. And um, there are occasions too when you can um, go to um, some uh, webinars or or get in touch with someone um, like Gord in your local community who may be able to help you as well. So to know that there's that um, that sort of backup and option there, um, because this is a lot to take in, especially if someone hasn't really thought about some of these questions before. I know there's some other um, language uh, around... Uh, temporary decision makers, like in the hospital where there's a hierarchy of folks that, uh, you know, starts with your spouse, I think, and then goes to your, your kids. And it kind of, there's a hierarchy there that, uh, um, sometimes in, in hospital people are, uh, told you will, you know, that's how it will work. And I'm just wondering, is there anything, um, in terms of rep agreements, having a representative, um, would impact the question of of temporary decision makers and the hierarchy that is uh, there in the in the healthcare system currently. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Like the TSEM system, the temporary substitute decision maker is kind of that default scheme in healthcare when you don't have a legal authority in place. So if you did have a representation agreement your representative would be able to take care of all of that, which is fantastic. Um, but if you hadn't planned ahead, if you don't have a representation agreement and the health care provider determines that you're not capable of informed consent for the health care that they're offering you at that moment, and there's no representative, there's no committee, there's no other legal authority in place to consent on your behalf, then we start going through that list in the law. And, again, this only applies to health care, so it doesn't apply to personal care, those um, personal care decisions that we were talking about. And the other thing is that it's a temporary role. So sometimes um, a different TSDM would be selected for different decisions. It really depends on who's available at that time, you know, their willingness and if they qualify. And in terms of the pecking order, you can look that up yourself and, 
in the legislation. It's <clears throat> right there in the Health for Consent uh, and Care Facility Admission Act. But it, in, in, in ge- the general just, um, I think it's your spouse, um, and that's whether you're legally married or in a marriage-type relationship, um, your adult child, and um, if you have multiple children, uh, only one, select, one is selected. Yes. Um, your parents, siblings, um, grandparents, grandchild, and so on. So the other requirements are also they need to be at least 19. They have to have been in contact with you in, in the preceding year. Um, you mustn't have any sort of dispute with them. Although I'm not quite sure how the practicalities of, you know, <laughs> determining this, <laughs> finding that out are. I mean, I guess you could just ask them, but yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and so on. And, you okay. know, if nobody is available and, and if there's a sort of actual dispute about who's to be chosen, like let's say there's three kids and they're all fighting about it, um, you know, they might even choose somebody employed by the public guardian and trustee. Okay. But, so, you know, Okay, so there is there is a process, but clearly, well, from my perspective, preferable to have your representative because then you've determined who's going to speak for you. And I I know there's some other language that can be confusing around advanced directives, living wills, do not resuscitate. But we're going to take a break and maybe you can uh, speak to um, those uh, when we come back. The Nature Trust of BC is raising funds to protect 115 hectares of ecologically valuable habitat in northern BC. Conserving the Crescent Spur and Cranberry Marsh West areas near Prince George will benefit both biodiversity and climate. You can support the Nature Trust of BC in purchasing and protecting these vital properties by donating to the campaign. Full details are available through their projects page at naturetrust.bc.ca. The fundraising deadline is March 31st. Looking for a space to host your next event, meeting, or workshop? Amanika Arts Centre is available for rent. Whether it's a small meeting or large event, Amanika Arts Centre is perfect for any occasion with flexible options, hourly, daily, and weekly. To book Amanika Arts Centre for your event, complete their booking form available online through their website, amanikaartscentre.com, and they'll get back to you with available options. Amanika Arts Centre, looking forward to hosting your next event. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS. Okay, we're, we're back with uh, both Audrey and Gord talking about representation agreements primarily, but also broadly about what we term as personal planning. And we're just going to have a, a little bit more of a clarification around um, the uh, language of advanced directive, living will, do not resuscitate, and how they fit into this picture. Sure. And um, thank you so much, Don. So those terms are terms that you'll hear from around quite a bit. And out of all those things, the only thing that's a legal document in BC is called the advanced directive. Um, but we still caution people about advanced directives, and I'll go into that in a bit. Um, for the living will, um, there's no specific one for living wills in BC. I think the term comes from the U.S., but you can include preferences and statements about your values and beliefs, um, just about anything in your life, not only limited to health care. So even though a living will might have no legal effect on its own, um, the law does say that your representatives must follow any sort of wishes or preferences you've expressed verbally or in writing, such as an only will, so it can be useful. 
I do not resuscitate, or uh, sometimes you might hear of the most form in hospitals. Uh, those documents are not part of DC legislation. So they can be useful for discussion, but they really should not be used as consent, even if signed by the patient or recommended by a doctor. Okay. And um, just going back to the advanced directive, so what that is, is it's a written instruction to give or refuse consent to certain health care matters. And you have to make that when you're capable of understanding the nature and effect of what it covers. And the reason we don't like to, you know, highly recommend that to folks is because it, it's just very limited. So um, many healthcare providers will say it's impossible to predict the future, especially for a healthcare condition, because people can react really differently. And so the instructions have to be very specific. So they have to describe a specific type of healthcare. It has to apply to that situation at the time when that consent is needed, and it needs to be clear enough that the healthcare provider can confidently act on it without talking to anyone else. Right. And yeah, so that's definitely a concern because um, the two key reasons they don't work on their own is they're not clear enough, or the healthcare provider just doesn't know the patient or their values. They just have no context for the instructions don't feel confident to follow it. And so having that person in a representation agreement who's able to convey all of that in the context of what they're actually dealing with it's just so much more valuable. Absolutely. I'll always remember we had a conference of the BC Psychogeriatric Association. I don't know, must be eight years ago or maybe even longer. And I always remember one of the um, geriatric psychiatrists getting up and saying that, that she would so much rather have a person to explain the situation to than to have to read something that had been written when there may be a, a more recent kind of treatment or access that didn't exist when whatever got written down and uh, handed to, you know handed to her or put in a file um, was done and she wanted to be able to tell the person there's a change there's something different that could happen but then there was this document and so she was just making the argument for rep agreements and and having a person that can actually speak for someone and so that seemed to be to me, one of the things that were really, really important that you can be dealing with the current situation that someone is facing. Um, the, the other thing when you're talking about, you know, getting a, a representative, um, I know some people that I have friends with um, who are uh, living in towns where they don't have any family, and I'm wondering if Gord might want to just uh, talk a little bit about what if people don't have family nearby, because you kind of think of, even with a representation agreement, your representative is going to be family. I know they don't have to be, but we tend to, you know, we tend to think in those directions. So what if if you don't have a really close friend or a family member right there? Well, I think certainly the ideal would be to have them close by, but um, our case, like my wife and I, we have uh, RA9s uh, in place, and our son, who lives in Edmonton, is our, uh, I think he's our alternate representative, so that if something happens to the representative, uh, he can step in. He, he knows as we talk to him every week, he's obviously, you know, We've known him for 40 years, and uh, he would, so it, they don't have to be here. Today's age of, of, of almost instant communication 
uh, you know, with cell phones and computers and Zoom and all those other things. They don't have to be here. You just It just needs to be somebody who knows what you want and what you would want in the certain circumstances. Yes. And understands, you know, as you were just saying, Don, that, that circumstances can change, right? You know, a person can say, uh, I don't want to be put on life support. And then they find out that um, they have a, a grandchild that's, yes. that's coming. And maybe their, their thoughts would be, I want, I'd like to live to see that grandchild. Yes. So, you know, things can change and... and uh, it's important that whoever it is, wherever they are, yeah. um, understands the most important thing is they understand what you want. Absolutely. Not where they live. Good points. Very good points. I, I think of one other example when you're talking about a situation that I, I heard about indirectly, but where uh, someone had um, attached quite a bit of information to the, to the representation agreement. And it sounds like maybe the representative didn't really understand that they could say something different. And so the person had said, uh, had, I don't know who they had helped them. I don't think it was Nidus, but had put down, I only want one surgery. If that doesn't work, I don't want any more. And like really specific. And unfortunately, you know, without having a person that you could actually talk to about the fact that there was a new surgery mm -hmm. and they'd already had one, but there's just a whole no development. So let's, you know, uh, anyway, so I really appreciate the work around this question th that people have that option to be able to, to have someone that can deal with the situation as it is, not as it might've been. I think it's important too, to mention, we haven't really talked about this yet, but the rep the with the representation agreement, the representative has the same legal rights as the individual. So, like for my representation agreement, my wife is my first representative. Yeah. Um, so if something happens to me, so I'm unable to speak for myself, she has exactly the same rights that I would have if I could speak for myself. So it's not just, um, you know, providing advice to the doctor, for example. It's saying no. I know this is what he would want, right? Yes, absolutely important. It's a legal document. Yes. And I know sometimes people don't think it is, and I know there's still some challenges sometimes. <laughs> uh, people run into issues, uh, banking community in particular, mm -hmm. uh, especially smaller branches. Uh, uh, don't want to pick on credit unions, but credit unions tend to, they're a little bit more independent and they don't have the same necessarily the same network of information. The big banks corporately, at least, all understand what a representation agreement is. You will still run into people in bank branches, credit unions, who don't understand and think, no, that, that I don't have to listen to that. Yeah, you do. You do. You do. Oh, that, great point. We're going to take another break and then we'll get back and talk a bit more about some of these questions. One of them that comes to mind based on what you've just um, been talking about uh, around your son and first representative and alternate is how many people can actually be part of your rep agreement. But we'll take a break and come back and discuss that.
The Nature Trust of B.C. is raising funds to protect 129 hectares of ecologically valuable wetlands and mature and riparian forest here in Prince George. The Ferguson Lake wetlands is adjacent to the Ferguson Lake Conservation Area. The purchase will increase this ecologically valuable conservation complex to 160 hectares. Full details on supporting this Nature Trust of B.C. purchase are available through their projects page at naturetrust.bc.ca. The fundraising deadline for this project is March 31st. Looking for a place to take the family, friends, or staff for a fun time over the holidays? Keep Good Sir Nature Park in mind. It's a great spot for family or staff get-togethers surrounded by trees and plants from across Canada. If you're feeling the need for some physical activity, the park is ideal for cross-country skiing or snowshoeing. Their two museums will be open for guided tours. As always, admission to Good Sir Nature Park is by donation. For more information, call 250-971-2337. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, cloudy. Wind from the south of 20K gusting to 40, a high of zero. Tonight, cloudy, a 40% chance of flurries overnight with a risk of freezing rain. Gusting south winds continuing, the temperature rising to 2. On Wednesday, cloudy, a 40% chance of flurries or showers in the afternoon. More gusting south winds with a high of 3. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Here we are again uh, talking about uh, personal planning and especially representation agreements. One of the things that I was raising before we had the break was about how many people can be involved Involved. I'm thinking maybe before that it might be good just to have a few examples of when a Section 9 uh, agreement could be used. I, d- I don't know if you may want to get into that a bit, Audrey, and then maybe Gordon can talk about some of his experience too. Sure, and, and I'll try to keep it short um, because I know we're running short on time. Um, so one example that we like to use is um, when somebody might be dealing with uh, illness that's episodic. So that includes episodic mental illness. It could include other sorts of illnesses. So sometimes you might be well and sometimes you might have your judgment and, and insight affected by your mental illness. And so you can make a Section 9 representation agreement when you're doing well and you meet those capability requirements. And you can have your representatives be able to consent to treatment when you're not doing so well. Um, even if you personally might be refusing it at that time. And that way, you know that your representatives are giving voluntary consent rather than having something like involuntary commitment under the Mental Health Act. So if you are under the Mental Health Act at some point, um, your representatives are limited in some of their authority, and it also doesn't recognize you as having the same consent rights as other British Columbians. So... That is a good case scenario for wanting to use something like a rep agreement. Okay. On the other hand, um, oh, no, no, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I just move on. Um, I just had a quick other story, but uh, sure, no, that's broken. that's fine. I was just sort of that was my way of nodding by saying okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit hard when we're not in the same. Room, I know, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's my, Gord's right across the, the road, or the road, the table from me, so it makes it easier. But no, give the other example, and then we can um, talk further. Absolutely. Uh, another example we like to use because not everybody fits into that box. Is you know somebody who might be a single parent um, with custody of your children. Um, so let's say you're about to have surgery, you want to prepare for various situations. Um, 
and let's say that she has, you know, a, a partner who might be common law, and you just want to make sure that that person will have that legal authority to look after your children. Um, the Section 9 Representation Agreement can also include that authority to make arrangements for care and education of minor children. So, you know, that's something that's really important to know um, is that if you have those dependents and, and you're dealing with something uh, medical, that you are able to give those rights and responsibilities to somebody that you trust and that who knows um, the individual. So those are just a couple of sort of unconventional examples that kind of demonstrate the breadth of what a Section 9 representation agreement can cover. Okay, no, that's very, very helpful. And the question that I was thinking about when Gordon and I were talking a bit earlier was, about the question of how many people can be involved in your rep agreement, because clearly you can have your rep and an alternate. Is there more? Uh, t- typically, that's what it would be for a for a representation agreement under Section Nine. Yes. Um, there is the opportunity under uh, the Section Seven for uh, a customized. Form. I'm not sure if we do those actually under the RA9s. I do mostly RA7s because I have a daughter with a disability, and that's why I'm... That's your remember. more expertise. Um, that would also then include a monitor. And the monitor's job, anytime that there's um, uh, finance, I guess there's a monitor in, in the uh, RA9 because of the, the finances, is to make sure that the representative isn't abusing their power uh, financially. Okay. So we've got the representative, potentially an alternate, and a monitor. Um, and a monitor. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is there anything to add on that um, from your, your end, Audrey? Yeah, and, and that's a very important. Those are the key roles, you know, that you'll see in a Section 7 representation agreement. Um, there's technically no number in the legislation, but I, I think you do want to be practical, you know, about how many people would be suited to that role and willing to be involved. Um, sometimes parents just feel like they don't want to leave a kid up, so they just deport everybody. <laughs> but, um, you know, practically, like, let's say there's a representation agreement with, like, four representatives acting independently. You know, healthcare staff, they're likely just going to call the first person listed. If they don't answer, they're just going to run down the list. Move on. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think what you want to make sure is that, you know, all all of four of those people or six or whatever crazy <laughs> number you come up with um, have each other's contact numbers, and if one of them gets the call, they should call the others. Um, the most important thing is that everyone's kind of in the loop on the same page, okay with working with each other. And regardless of how you set it up, you know, even if somebody's an alternate, people can still talk to each other when making a decision because... Um, you know that he, that person was respected enough to be appointed, and and you do this as a family if if you're all family members. So you might listen to their opinion. You don't have to necessarily ask on their opinion, but um, yeah, so absolutely, it's quite flexible. No, that's really good information as well. I guess um, as we're getting close to the end of the program, and maybe we will do another one in the, into the new year, I guess there's two things on my mind. One, if people are having problems um, or don't know how to start this process, I'm assuming coming to NIDIS, starting with the webpage, is, is their best bet, so NIDIS.ca. Uh, but also talking about other questions like uh 
do I have to update my form? Um, how do I use the registry? How do I get to do this? Um, so if we could use, we're going to take a break and then we'll come back for about uh, the last 10 minutes. Um, I'd like to see us uh, address those questions, where we get information, if there's questions, but uh, also about that registry and uh, how helpful that can be and how people can access it. So we'll, we'll uh, do, cover as much as we can after the break. <laughs> Your Prince George Council of Seniors needs volunteers for this year's Christmas Hamper Program. Volunteers are needed for Hamper Assembly Dates, November 18th and 19th, as well as for Hamper Deliveries on December 20th and 21st. For more information, contact Wendy by emailing hcn at pgcos.ca or call the Council of Seniors office at 250-564-5888. That's Christmas Hamper Volunteers needed for December 18th to 21st at your Prince George Council of Seniors. Have you ever been curious about life drawing or modeling? Two Rivers Gallery is offering a free introductory course on the basics of both in January. Everyone 18 and older can take part to expand their drawing skills, learn how to model safely, and potentially join the Two Rivers Life Drawing Team. More information is available at the gallery and through tworiversgallery.ca. That's a free intro to life drawing and modeling for those 18 plus January 8th at Two Rivers Gallery. This is Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS. Well, we're back with uh, both Audrey and Gord talking about uh, representation agreements and personal planning and some of the the uh, really important work that NIDAS uh, carries on in British Columbia. So th- for the last segment, I'm hoping we can talk about if someone is having difficulties or has questions, how they can connect. And I, I know that there's the computer, but I think there might be a phone number as well. I just want to make sure if there is that we get that out there. But then also about about the actual registry and how it can be used and how people can access that. So I don't know who'd like to start first. Well, I can talk a bit about the registry, I guess. Okay. Uh, so um, you don't have to register your your representation agreement. It becomes a legal document as soon as it's all signed and and uh, by the witnesses and by all the individuals. It's, it's a legal document uh, immediately at that point in time. But Onitis, uh, as was mentioned earlier, does offer an online registry, and uh, there is a small charge to register documents, set up an account and register documents, and you cannot, you can register not just your representation agreement, but you can also register uh, or your, put a copy of your enduring power of attorney, your will, all those things could be there too, just so that it's easier for people to find. Um, so, Gord, this would just be a copy? Yes. Just okay. A copy. It's, it's, you scan it and send it in. You keep okay. the original. Okay. You keep the original. You should always keep the original of your representation agreement. You would give copies to your family doctor, the bank, uh, any other legal entities in the disability world. When you're dealing with the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction, you give them a copy. Uh, they're actually possibly the strictest of all, they will absolutely not talk to me as uh, as my daughter's father without that form. Okay. They won't. They won't even leave a message <laughs> on the machine if it's if it uh, if for uh, a voicemail. If it says, you know, if I say you've reached, you know, our voicemail message says all three of us. Yes. Uh, no, nope. they won't leave a message. Okay. Unless they have that representation agreement. Um, I'll give an example of why the the registry is important. 
So when we did ours uh, for our daughter, when the day she turned 19, mm-hmm. she had to be 19 or older to enter into it. Um, this was pre-digital uh, world. Okay. So we sent a photocopy by mail to NIDAS, and it was put in the registry. And then sometime later, a few years later, we needed a copy, and we could not find a copy. We put it somewhere very safe in the house. <laughs> I know about those things. <laughs> we now have a safe, so it would be in the safe had we had a safe at the time, but we didn't at the time. So I contacted NIDAS, and they faxed me a copy. Wow. So um, to this day, the original is still somewhere in the house. We know we never got rid of it because it's, it's too important of a document. But So th- another uh, reason for the registry is... Uh, some hospitals now are starting to, when they have a patient come in who's unable to communicate on their own, they, uh, as long as they have ID on them so they know who they are, yes. are starting to access the registry to see, is there a representation agreement in place for this individual? Excellent. So now we know who to contact. That's good. Because a lot of us don't carry a, you know, who to contact card or in our wallet right yeah so you know our phones yeah well it's all our cell phones but our cell phones are locked so they can't get in anyway so uh the registry is just a really good place to keep that stuff and um easy to access Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and as i was saying earlier i know that we've talked about it in terms of personal sort of emergency floods and fires and stuff up here that even just you could put other documents in there too and then you know at least there's a copy somewhere in now in the ether world or whatever um, that is there regardless and you don't have to worry about those things Think of it as the cloud for... Uh, the cloud, a, that's what it is. Except it's much more secure than the cloud. <laughs> well, most, not a lot of people know about it, so that makes it more secure right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Audrey, are there, is there anything on those questions that you'd like to add? The one thing I wanted to ask about is what if people don't have a computer to, to reach to reach you at, at nidus.ca? Well... Absolutely. Oh. Well, I was just going to say locally. I know the public libraries have have access. Uh, there are, I'm sure, a lot of the uh, senior centers yes. will have computers and people who can help you to access them. Um, community centers, uh, place like that. A lot of places have. Uh, there's free access to computers. Yeah, and I was thinking, I, I might be remembering this wrong from the website, but I was thinking that there might be a phone number as well. Is there is there a phone number, Audrey? Um, we, we did in the past. Um, we do have a phone number, but currently it's a voicemail message. And the reason for that is that we, we are currently seeking funding to have a helpline open. Ah, okay. And once we have that, I would love to be able to assist folks over the phone. Um, currently, if you do want more personalized help, though, you can email info at nidas.ca with your questions. Okay. And um, that will be available. And you can also access the website on your phone if you do have a smartphone, even if you don't have a computer. Um, I actually want to share an example of um, somebody using their phone with the NIDAS registry. Um, so there was a NIDAS registry user who was in emergency. Her husband was unconscious. And when the nurses asked what medications he was using, her mind went blank. Um, her son reminded her that dad had an account on the NIDAS registry. He had actually registered a copy of this medication chart. 
Ah. So she was able to log in and access that information right on her phone. Oh, that's and, that's um, a great example. That's a great example. Well, listen, as we're getting close to the end of the show, um, I want to make sure, again, that people have the NIDIS um, website, which is N as in Nancy, I, D as in Dawn, my name, U as in under, S as in Sam, dot C-A. So NIDUS, N-I-D-U-S dot C-A. And that, once you plug that in, you'll find that there is really a wealth of information. And I, I certainly am looking forward to um, the funding coming that uh, will allow us to have a phone line again. And I, I have to wrap it up now. I should have said at the beginning, I sit on the board provincially of NIDIS. Um, but still, at that level, we don't always get into the nitty-gritty of everything that's going on across the province. So really appreciate very much having Gord and having Audrey here with us today. And we're going to look forward to, I hope, in doing something more um, into the new year a bit. And maybe with some specific stories and questions that may come out of this um, program from others raising them with us, either raising them with you, Gord, or myself, or Audrey, post um, uh, this program, or just things that we think of ourselves um, over the next few months so that perhaps we could do more of a very specific question and answer that uh, would be helpful, I think, for everybody any final things that uh, you'd like to add, Audrey, before we wrap it up? Um, I I would just like to encourage everyone to get educated and, and to register as well. And, and I know you and Gord were talking about like, cards and wallet cards. I did want to mention some people find this really exciting. You thought the registry also offers a downloadable wallet card. Oh. Printed and laminated. And that way, in an emergency, you know, authorized staff can search for healthcare and documents associated with your account. So that's just something fun that folks I did not, like to hear about. I actually didn't know that. So our final thought is that if you if you use the registry, there is a downloadable wallet card that you can actually print, and then if you want to, get it laminated, but at least something that you can pull off that site. So thanks again for both of you for coming on, and I think we're going to do this again. Thank you, John. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hurd. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at cfisfm.ca. You're tuned to Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM, proudly supported by community groups like Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza.